0: And welcome to this festive edition of the Ghosts and Folklore Podcast. I'm Mark Reese, and on each episode, I investigate a different, weird, and wonderful subject. And on this episode, we are going to explore some of the strange traditions surrounding everyone's favourite creepy Christmas time visitor, and that is. The Mary Lloyd. Now, I've mentioned the Mary Lloyd many times on this podcast, but just to refresh your memories and to get everyone up to speed, let's start with a very brief description of what the Mary Lloyd actually is, because it's one of those customs that once you've seen it, you will never forget it. And it is very divisive. On the one hand, there are some people who think it's incredible, But on the other, there are some people who think it's a little bit gross and a little bit weird, which makes it perfect for this podcast. And the reason for that is that the central feature of the Mary Lloyd is a horse's skull. Yes, a horse's skull, the skull from a horse, which is placed at the end of a stick, a bit like a hobby horse. And then this horse's skull on a stick is paraded around the streets by somebody covered in a white sheet at Christmas time, going door to door, challenging people to what nowadays people like to call a rap battle. But it's a battle of verse where the people inside the house try to keep the Mary Lloyd outside the house by exchanging verses back and forth until there's a victor. So those outside might start by saying, let us in, it's cold, we want some warming ale and some cake and other goodies. But obviously it would rhyme when they did it. And the people inside would try to repel them by saying, you've got no chance, we're keeping all this beer and ale to ourselves. And this would continue until either the Mary Lloyd won and was granted access to the house and to the beer, and to the cake. Or if those inside of the house were victorious, and a little bit mean-spirited, you'd have to say, then the Mary Lloyd would be forced to move on to the next house in the street. And that is a very, very brief description of the Mary Lloyd tradition. But, of course, there is a lot more to it than that. And one of the things I love about the Mary Lloyd, is that nobody really knows how it started what it's all about, even what the name means. There's lots of theories, lots of ideas, and every old book of Welsh folklore has its own tales to tell. So, unlike something like, say, Guy Fawkes' Night, the history of which remains consistent in most books, the Mary Lloyd changes, even if it's just slightly, all the time. And I think this, this uncertainty, this not knowing adds to the mystery surrounding this weird and wonderful Welsh Christmas time folk custom. Because, for example, some people believe that the Mary Lloyd has pre-Christian roots. Other people, however, think it is firmly rooted in Christianity itself, while others think it is purely secular and just something for people to get drunk to. But... Whatever its origins, however it is celebrated, it has changed with time. It has evolved. The Mary Lloyd is evolving. Now there's a scary thought, but personally, I just think it's wonderful that this obscure old Welsh tradition has just gone global. It's gone viral in recent times, thanks, it has to be said, to the internet. But now the Mary Lloyd is a global phenomenon and is probably the most famous thing about Wales at this time of year. Now, last Christmas, to quote George Michael there, but last Christmas I recorded an episode all about The general history of The Married Lloyd. Like a nice big overview. And if you would like to check that out afterwards, that was episode 27. But... For this episode, we are going to take a different approach by turning to a book published in the late 19th century which took a look at glimpses of Welsh life and character and how the people of Wales, the real people, the folk of Wales saw this tradition at the time and this is a really interesting period for the tradition because this was pretty much at the end of its lifespan as it were before it was revived for the modern day because the Mary Lloyd did burn itself out by the end it got so rowdy and so debauched we are told that it just fizzled out and by the end of the Victorian period we have people rational forward-thinking Victorian people looking back at the silly traditions that people used to carry out in their towns and villages in living memory. So, to begin at the beginning, the Victorian age is coming to an end. A new century is looming. And at this point, the Mary Lloyd is already being spoken of in the past tense. And to quote, “Among the ancient and obsolete customs of Wales is the curious custom known as the procession of the Maryloid which has died out. So at the dawn of the 20th century we are told that the Mary Lloyd has died out. Now whether it had died out or not is open to debate but to continue with their description of the custom, they say the merry Lloyd involved a man enveloped in a very large white sheet and wearing the skeleton of a horse's skull, which was gaily decked with bright coloured ribbons and rosettes, went with a merry procession around the towns and villages, sometimes on Boxing Day, but often from then to Twelfth Night collecting alms or christmas boxes and this is quite interesting because this tells us that these were charitable donations of food or money maybe or material goods but it's interesting that it's seen as a charitable exchange a lot of people associate the mary lloyd with drunkenness and rowdiness this is much more charitable and actually ties in with similar traditions which took place at times like halloween where the idea that modern day trick or treating might have evolved from a much more charitable a much more christian act of giving to the needy back then it was much more about the treats and not the tricks And the dates are interesting here as well, because we are told that this would take place from Boxing Day and over the 12 nights of Christmas, as opposed to just New Year's Eve, which is when you'll most commonly see the Mary Lloyd nowadays. Now, returning to the description, the Mary is referred to as he throughout, but she is very much a lady in the vast majority of accounts but in this account she is a he and we are told that he was generally accompanied by a motley crowd of spectators and companions who sang songs with buffoonery and played merry pranks So it all sounds like a a bit bit of a laugh, really, a bit of a party. Although one theory put forward at the time as to its origin is much more macabre, shall we say. A lot more gothic and certainly not light-hearted. And we are told that one authority of the time thought that the Mary must have been in primitive times. A kind of animal's aid society. Because when the death of the year came... At the end of the year, there would be little provender in the fields and the cattle, according to the Welsh adage, were said to have clean teeth. So what that means is the fields were barren. There was no food at the end of the year for the cattle. And as a result, they had clean teeth and needed something to eat, something to chew with those teeth to sustain them through the winter months. And as a result, we are told that by some, the Maru Lloyd was also known as the Maru Lloyd, and is said to have symbolised the grey death of the year, while others regard it to be typical of the death of Christ and his salvation of sinners. Now, I should just unpack these quickly to make sense of them. But Maru Floyd, meaning the grey death, is a literal translation there. Floyd, which is lloyd, but with Lloid, the double L at the start, is the Welsh for grey. Maru, then, for death. And this is part of the reason people have difficulty working out the origins of the Lloyd Because these little changes in the spelling make a big difference difference maru lloyd grey death but mary is the welsh word for mary the madonna who of course plays a pivotal part in all christian celebrations at this time of year and it has been suggested that mary lloyd could mean holy or the blessed mary And that is why it could have its roots in Christianity. It could have been inspired by the Virgin Mary. But according to this account, it symbolizes another important part of the New Testament. And that is Jesus Christ and his salvation of sinners. But as they point out at the time, and I agree entirely with, this would be improbable since the solemn and sad anniversary of Christ's death would not be likely to follow so closely upon the celebrations in connection with his nativity. So while the Mary Lloyd might well have some Christian connection to its origins, it's unlikely it has anything to do with the death and the resurrection of Christ because they would more likely be easter time traditions and not something you'd celebrate at christmas when everyone else is busy celebrating his birth but as mentioned earlier whether the origins are ancient whether the origins are christian whether the origins have anything to do with the gray death what we do know is that gradually the mary lloyd degenerated into a noisy group of revelers and roisterers which is a word I don't think I've ever used before, but roisterers who struck terror into the minds of a young folk. The old custom was for the men to sing an impromptu song outside any house. And there was supposed to be a bard within who could immediately respond in unpremeditated verse. And we are told that the following impromptu verses, which I will read to you very soon, which would have been heard at a Mary Lloyd battle of verses, were heard as recently as 20 years ago. 20 years ago at the time that this was written. So I'd like to interrupt quickly here, because even though the author told us right at the start of this account that the Mary Lloyd was a dead custom, some quaint old thing from the past. Just 20 years earlier, the Mary Lloyd was still alive and well and these verses were heard in the streets of Wales. And we are told that, to quote, voices and revelry echoed through the night air and presently, the girls rushed into the house crying, the Mary Lloyd, the Mary Lloyd is coming, and shut all doors and windows just in time to escape these twelfth night revelers who came up and demanded entrance. So it's all very dramatic. It's all getting a bit chaotic. And suddenly the bard within seized his harp and sang And I'm sorry to keep interrupted, but before I tell you what it was the bard sung, I think it's interesting and we should pause quickly to take a look at what's going on here because there are some key details which are different to many other accounts of the Mary Lloyd, including mine on last year's episode. First of all, you'll notice the girls were outside at the time and then chased into the house by the mary lloyd gang today we would assume that people are already in the house and they only get worried once the mary lloyd gang bang on the door secondly and i love this detail but the person trying to repel the mary lloyd with verse is described as a bard and rather than just singing or rapping they are a bard, they pick up their harp. They've got a harp in the house with which to repel the Mary Lloyd. They pick it up and they play a tune on it as well, which is possibly the most Welsh thing ever a bard i can picture them with a long flowing white beard singing verse in the welsh language and playing a harp in order to repel a drunken horse-skulled invader and that is why wales is the best country in the world when it comes to celebrating christmas but back to the description And there is an example here of the kind of verse they would sing during an encounter. Now, these verses are in the English language. I don't know if they've been translated or not. But interestingly, again, they do start with the person indoors initiating the battle. So rather than the Mary Lloyd gang turning up, banging the door and saying, let us in, let us in. It's the people indoors who start. And they say, what ho, morganog's happy land with morganog being the welsh for glamorgan what ho morganog's happy land is full of corn and barley what ho is your request demand answer we grant short parley to which the uninvited visitors respond honest men are we who sue favors many money do To the merryloid from you. To which the Bard, safely indoors, replies Come in, come in and sit at ease, ye merry sons of Cymru. Here, sweet metheglin, here's cream cheese with milk, cream cakes, and flummery. Which all sounds very civilised, doesn't it? Come on in, have some booze and some cheese and some flummery. And we are also told that the revellers, after they've been admitted and regaled with these goodies, are enriched with a money gift and then they passed on to another house. And so, in this example... The battle of verse is very short and sweet. In fact, you can hardly call it a battle. It's very polite and friendly. They say, can we come in? And the bard says, of course you can, of course you can. Help yourself to whatever you want. Nevertheless, that wasn't always the case. We know it got rowdy and out of hand at times. And this narrator does go on to say that in later times, a band of Unruly roisterers accompanied the Mary Lloyd. They would unceremoniously enter any house, provided the doors were not barred or bolted without permission. And if the householder was parsimonious enough not to provide cakes and beer, the men took the liberty to rake out the kitchen fire. Hence, it came to be the custom among the people to bolt and bar their doors when the Mary Lloyd procession came into town. So this later account really does turn things on its head. It's gone from this jolly christian-like act of generosity and good-natured fun to the opposite to lock in your doors and pretend in, you're not there like some people do on halloween again if they want to avoid the trick-or-treaters turn the lights off shut the curtains pretend you're not in and in this case hope they don't try and force their way into the house and make a mess of the kitchen and just generally steal and trash things And this probably explains why it fell out of favour in the late Victorian age, why no right-minded Victorian man or woman wanted to be associated with what was a quaint old custom, but it just descended into anarchy. With a brave new century dawning, they had no time for old-fashioned rowdiness and thuggery. And as for the tradition, as for the Mary Lloyd herself, well, she might not have died out altogether, but fell so far out of favour that, for all intents and purposes, she did disappear. But the good news for us nowadays, more than a century later, is that the Mary Lloyd is back there has been a huge revival in recent times in a much more respectable manner I should say people don't go door to door like they did waking up their neighbours in the middle of the night for beer and cake but certainly if you'd like to see a Mary Lloyd nowadays you can indeed do that and I try and visit as many as I can over the Christmas period and into January because it is seen as a new year thing now for a lot of people and who knows maybe next year for my annual mary lloyd episode i might visit one and record the events for this podcast if anyone wants to hear me interviewing a mary lloyd live on this podcast let me know i think that would be a world first i don't know of any other journalist who has interviewed the mary lloyd herself so let's make that happen but before we do Let's celebrate this Christmas first. And if you've enjoyed this episode, I have more Christmas episodes on the way. And if you don't want to miss any of them, please consider hitting the subscribe button. And if you really enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the podcast, you can treat me to a coffee via my website or you could just leave a nice review or give it a quick thumbs up or five stars or whatever the option is on whatever platform you're consuming this on. Think of it as an early Christmas present. And if you'd like more ghosts and folklore and a lot more about the Mary Lloyd... You can follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And I've also written a number of books on similar weird and wonderful subjects including the a to z of curious wales which has the mary lloyd and some christmas traditions and some halloween traditions in it which are available from all good bookshops offline and on and so i've been told they make lovely christmas presents of course that's not for me to say but so i've been told but anyway that's enough shameless self-promotion for one episode so on that note it just leaves me to say thank you very much for listening. Dioch and Varian Amrando. I've been Mark Reese. This has been my Ghosts and Folklore podcast beaming to you from Wales to the world. Until next time, Merry Christmas, Nadole Clauen, and Nosta.